Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. We're all a bit nervous about it, but I think we should wait I'm and see. I'm not really it. nervous. I'm not nervous because I don't give um, a shit about Venom. Period. Okay, fair enough. So it's like I'll just like, I'll be entertained. It'll be stupid. It'll be silly, but it'll probably be entertaining. Yeah. But it's not. It's not gonna. Yeah. It, you're, you're not gonna die on that hill. It's not like you've got venom tattoos or anything. Yeah. No. Gotcha. If you don't like it, like if you don't like the first one, I mean the first one is like for me is just trash. But I enjoyed yeah. watching it. But uh, yes, that's pretty much <laughs> junk food. Pretty much. Yeah. Exactly. It's junk food. Yeah. Yes, I can hear you. You motherfucker. I can hear you. You're the motherfucker. You're like, oh, I'll like Venom. Yeah, I bet you will. Venom. You know, it blows my mind. So I was showing this to Nick Dahl last weekend. We were hanging out. And you know me, I'm always all about that Venom song. You know, I love how you say his whole name. Like it's a tribe called Quest. You gotta say his whole name. Yeah. That means just so that that everyone knows that I'm talking about our Nick, not just a random, random Nick. But what I love about Venom is that, like, I, I always say, like, Venom, Venom, blah, 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 Venom. But, like, he says Venom once in that chorus. And all the other words are just words that sound like it. Like, the lyrics are, let's see here. I'm going to stop you right there. You've told got, this story before. Fuck you. Well, I can tell you the lyrics now. The lyrics now, Venom, I got that adrenaline momentum, and I'm not knowing when I'm ever gonna slow up and i'm ready to snap at any moment i'm thinking it's time to get them they ain't gonna know what hit them i know this already you know i know it. this because you told me i have not said the lyrics specifically mm. okay well if your career as a writer fails jammer you can always lean back into your rap career i think it, i think it's something in the mating nope you know if nope. i here's the thing i've actually thought about this if i had actually decided legitimately it's like you know what i want to become a rap rap artist i'm not saying i could be successful but i'm saying i could probably be pretty good at it but i'd have to change the entire way i speak uh and i would just need to put a lot of work into it i would need to put five to ten years of hardcore you know practice like eight eight hours a day you know 40 days 40 hours a week you know just jump into it and you know work on that 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 turning phrases quickly and and being quick on the fly and all that shit Danny might have heard of this guy. I don't know if Jammer, if you've heard of this guy. Have either of you heard of Unknown Pete? Nope. So Sorry, he's a he is a British. He rapper. really is unknown. He, yeah, he's he's a, <laughs> he's a comedian and a rapper. Um, I saw him. I think it was on like BBC One, um, and he was just he was hilarious. So I'm going to uh, send this to you guys. You can watch it or not, whatever you want to do with your lives. But uh, yeah, I'm going to post this right here. Actually, I'm going to post it in the BGRP Discord since I haven't done that in a while. I uh, hey, uh, let Discord, me know what you think. Discord is something that I... Uh, You're not hip on it, not with the kids? 
Well, it's not just it's just I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. I barely have a bandwidth to get on the social media stuff that I'm familiar with, you know, (laughs) much less, you know, Discord and TikTok and all the other youth infested waters. (laughs) That is a nice way to say it. Uh, God, why can't I find this thing? Anyway, man, I've tried to move away from using Google and I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't want to be tracked anymore. I'm going to use DuckDuckGo. Not the what same. The hell is DuckDuckGo? DuckDuckGo is an anonymous search engine, so like you can search um, and you won't get tracked, and it won't be like, "Haha, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and sell you those Nikes that you just bought because you were looking for them on Amazon." Like, yeah, I know I bought them, but here they are again. Like, stop, I got them. But you um, know, for every miss, though, <laughs> there for every every ten misses, there's like one hit where you're just like, "Oh, that does look pretty good," and then you buy it. And you know what? I I don't mind being uh. I don't mind being sold at. I love one of my favorite things on Facebook is that it tracks my behavior and that it actually pushes like Kickstarters or like stuff of, of books that I like and, and authors that I, I may like. And it just throws them in my face and it gets me excited. Like, ah, not today. And it does it again the next day, not today. And then by day 45, I'm just like, you know what? I'm doing it. I actually just bought an audiobook for uh, a series, not a book called Iron Prince, which is a light lit RPG. It's like set in a militaristic world where people have like ranks and fighting and stuff. And it's, I've been waiting. I, I, I knew eventually I'd read it. It's too long. It's a thousand pages long, but it looks cool. And it's kind of up my alley. And I started it. I'm like five hours in. It's pretty good so far. But I, I'm assuming I'm going to get bogged down in some of this stuff. But what I like about it most is that it actually reminds me of like a, a more human-centric version of Gin Tamer, which is the series that I read. So if you have read Iron Prince, published by Wraithmark Creative, and it, you will love Gin Tamer because it basically has a similar feel to it. I love that this is just like a roundabout self-advertisement. Like that, like, I really like this book. You know what? And if I like this book, which you would really like, is my book <laughs> yeah here's the thing like and i credit that mostly not to me but to my co-author who has a, a writing style because i i did basically the way we write together is we come up with a basic concept one of us runs off and does a basic outline we look it over again make corrections one of us goes in and makes a less basic outline we go over it again and one of us goes in and does like a chapter by chapter outline um, for each book, I think it was like around 60 plus pages or so that I did. And then he goes in, drafts it out in a few months or a couple of months. And then I go in there and basically edit it. So the voice of the Gin Tamer series is very much his voice. Uh, and I feel like his voice is very much reminiscent of the voice that's in the in the series, uh, in that book that I just talked about. And um, yeah, that's basically why, because I feel like the way they do it. It's funny, a lot of, a lot of my work, I feel like is, is me pulling him back a bit because he leans heavy into sort of like the, uh, the, the turns of phrases and in sort of the, uh, uh, the characters react very heavily to everything. And I have to like pull it back. So they're not overreacting to everything. And so it's just interesting that sort of dynamic. And conversely, I feel like whenever I draft something, he like adds more life to it as opposed to something that's a little bit more uh, utilitarian in language how did you guys come about like how did you get to even this arrangement 
because just the idea of trying to write something with someone else. So by way of telling a very quick story, I was in class today and we all have a shared document that we're using to work on notes in class. So like we have an assignment, we all did the assignment, everybody had a specific question and the teacher goes through and says, okay, here's the model answer. And so we're writing down the model answer. And in Microsoft Word, you can see where people's cursors are and you can start seeing people typing furiously and us trying to work together to do this because some people are more OCD than others and they're trying to like write something very specific. Like, in real time, I get how that's very chaotic, but even not in real time, it's hard for me to imagine how Here's you guys could do that effectively. Fucking Siri. Uh, we don't, well, we don't write in the same document at the same time ever. Uh, so that helps, yeah, but it's just, how do we get into this? I don't remember how we set up that arrangement. Is it oh, something it's because, it's because we knew people? Yes, yes, it? that yeah. was it. That was it. We, there are some other authors in the community who did that and we're like, let's give it a shot. And we actually tried at one point skipping chapters and like that's shitty let's not do that again and there were versions where it was like more fluid and it was it ended the book ended up being good but it wasn't a great process then we finally were like you know let's just try this other method that these other authors are doing and then it worked fairly well um and of course we have our arguments and shit like he's very much of the two of us he's very much like the hollywood studio and i'm like the creative artist which is ironic because i feel like i'm fairly mainstream and things but i'm the creative one between the two of us but i think that also helps that both of us are kind of not really precious about anything so there's never any sense of like ownership as much as let's just try to make this better it's just a matter of us agreeing or disagreeing on what will ultimately make it better um so i think you have to be a certain type of person if you're the type of person who's like a control freak or if you are precious about specific words then it's going to be difficult it yeah it helped we're basically really big picture type people as well like i'm way more detail oriented than he is but i still feel like i'm not super detail oriented so as long as what we write gets the point across and feels good we're good it's not like oh i like this specific sentence or this specific paragraph or what have you it's fascinating i, Probably I don't know that i could ever do that no no that is exactly the right amount of information i I have long wanted to actually ask you the question about how this process works because I've had a yeah, hard me time too. wrapping my head. Yeah, I'm a co-author thing. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, find out how that works. Yeah. I like co I like being a co-author, but then I, I also because you're also accountable, so you can get more momentum. And it's not just that it's less work. I my co-authors like the reason why I have a co-author is because it's less work. I think it's more work to be perfectly honest because you're you're meeting, you're kind of making sure you're keeping each other in check. But and, and yeah, you are splitting duties, but if you're doing it by yourself, you're able to be more flexible, more fluid and kind of keep going. You're not relying on anybody. You're not waiting on anybody. You're just able to kind of go through and do the things as you want. Um, but yeah, now I'm doing this other series. I haven't started it yet, but I'm doing it by myself. And I'm like, I should get started on that. It's just really hard to keep myself more accountable. Yeah. Do you have an editor as well, though, Jam? Or is there someone at the publishing house that came and had a look at the? No, I mean, you, you, hire, you hire an editor yourself. You basically okay. find an editor and then you hire them and, you know, they, they do the work and stuff. Uh, we occasionally so do you did that. get, you did that though, right? I didn't edit. I never edited. No, no, that, no I, you hired someone. I mean, yeah, you, I hire editors. Got, and so when they came in, did they have uh, ideas as well? Or was that not what necessarily you were hiring them for? Did they give you both depends, feedback and give you both things to change? Or, or Depends or, on the stage. We, we did do out, we did get an ed a developmental editor for I think two of the three books that we did for Gin Tamer. 
And the feedback we kind of got was just, it was really minimal to be honest. He's like, yeah, the, the arc seemed to be in place. This seems to be good. Maybe a little touch up here or there, but nothing really extreme. It was more like validating than anything else, which was maybe not a great thing. But um, we paid you for this. You should be a little more critical. Yeah, <laughs> but do you think that was because there was two of you? Because it sounds like you were both kind of editing each other as you went it along. Does help. You were both doing that process. So there yep. was less less work for your editor to do in, essentially. So do you think that was a, a plus side then having yes. having a co-author, it saved time and effort and someone else coming in and changing it? Sure, yeah, I, I agree with that. And the downside is that because we're both so not detail oriented though, when it comes to copy editor who basically goes in and corrects typos and stuff, they, uh, so that's, sorry, it's my dog. He's playing with his phone. I see your confusion, Jonesy. Um, copy editor is that we're shitty with, with typos constantly yeah. especially because we're when we correct when we go over each other's work we often change whole paragraphs and phrases and stuff and then when you do that you're like you have like Doesn't two frankenstein sentences and they just kind of like they don't quite mesh so we have lots of those kinds of issues um but that's what the editor's for allegedly cool allegedly Unless they're just there to praise your work that's not that that's not a copy editor just a developmental editor i know you're just kidding but i'm correcting you anyway just like a good copy editor would do. Exactly. Or just, just like a good podcast co-host. Anyways, go check out the Gin Tamer series on Amazon and Audible. Uh, it's by AJ Cerna. That's me and Derek Allen Sidway, my co-writer. And uh, yeah, if you like that, also check out, you know, God Mode and Glitch King, which are, which is a duology. Uh, it's a lit RPG. Do it. Go buy those things and then read them. Or not, right? Just buy them. That's the important. No, part. read them. Read them. Sure. That's the important part. Sure. That is right. the important part. Give Jammer Please do. Otherwise, Jammer will become a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The much Unknown easier, <laughs> the much easier, uh, the much easier path to fortunes is rapping. You know, there aren't, there aren't many careers. There are not many careers that I think are less lucrative than writing, but I think rapping might be up there unless you really hit it big. You never hear I, of the midlist rappers. I don't know. I, I know nothing of. Actually, I don't know. Thinking about uh, P Diddy's making the band, I feel like those were not. They never made it to like a list, right? There are people that I remember they, exist, um, but never really made it huge. Uh, yeah, and they probably are are working, you know, day jobs these days. Yeah, I saw somebody at Kroger but as writers. As writers, exactly. They're like, you know, it's easier <laughs> being a writer. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah that's cool that was um, an intro it was an intro was no this is an intro hello and welcome to breaking geek creative podcast the premier flagship international podcast of lrm online i'm your host brendan jones and this week in the booth as you can tell it's myself jammers and danny's gents what's going on so uh, i have a pet peeve already oh, for five seconds. you said it's myself it's not yourself it's you it's me why is it yourself it's not you, it's, like, it's me. You know, I hate that term where it's just like, oh, it's going to be, people are going to be there. It's going to be myself and him. No, it's going to be me, not myself. That means that's incorrect. Incorrect. Is, is it actually incorrect English? I think so. It sounds incorrect. Mm, see? If only see, we had said, an editor. Yeah, if only we had a copy editor. <laughs> but we don't. Yeah, it's like, who's going to be there? Jonesy and myself. Myself is going to be there? No. No, no. I didn't say Jonesy and myself. I said myself and these two guys. Yeah, just say me, me and these two guys. I didn't want to. But that's correct. 
myself is incorrect. But I'm dying on this hill. Yeah, this is. I'm dying on this hill. This isn't a This is an English paper. I'm trying to bring people in here. You're like, oh yeah, who's going to be at the party? It's going to be like Jammers and Danny's. I know. I know. I I'm well aware of what you're saying. I'm just saying the way you're saying it is incorrect. But that's how people talk. That's how I. That's how I speak. That's how you spoke it. You done word good. I done word good. I've spoken. I've spoken. I have spoken. Yourself has spoken. Yourself has spoken. Myself, myself, myself has spoken. Anyway, I, I asked how you guys are doing, and at this point, I just don't give a fuck. Anyway, apparently, I'm being persnickety. As like I'm, I'm, bit, I'm full, I'm bit. full of sauce today. It sounds that sexual. Sauce. But... <laughs> I don't want to talk about your special place again. I just want to talk about movies <laughs> and news. Uh, so yeah, we're we're, we're going to jump into it. Um, we've got a we've got an interesting show. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be interesting. Um, so we're going to do reviews of Carnage and No Time to Die. Is that right, Danny? Yes. Okay. I hesitated for a reason, but I'll get into that momentarily when you finished when yourself has finished yourself's introduction. <laughs> All right. See. See, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of that, 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 that COVID episode of Mythic Quest where that one uh, Meninist character said probably the funniest line ever where he talks about where you should say less versus fewer. And at one point he says to Rachel, is that the girl's name? One of the girls' name, Rachel. And he's like, you should talk fewer. See how stupid that sounds? That reminds <laughs> me of that. <laughs> In addition to talking about those two films, there's a little <laughs> bit of news that happened. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. A lot of the news that we have is legal news. I, I just don't care. Um, I think that's akin to doctors watching doctor shows, lawyers watching lawyers. I just don't care right now. But yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, so you guys ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. We've got a couple of lawsuits, both of which involve the House of Mouse. And I think it's fascinating that I'm watching a show called Foundation on Apple TV Plus, and there are clubs. How is that? It's really good. Okay. Um, but one of the conceits, the, the setup of the empires is, is that it's run by three men. They are Brother Dawn, um, Brother Day, and Brother Dusk, and they're different ages of a cloning cycle. And so as soon as you know the sun sets on this one particular Disney lawsuit, there's another one that just pops up. So in the past, we have talked about the- How did you connect that to foundation? How the hell did that happen? I, I think I missed the, the transition so between have, foundation and the, Disney. We have reached the dusk sunset of one particular lawsuit, right? So there was okay. this big, huge, I was, I was leading okay. into it. I got it. I, I was leading into it. I was ready for synopsis. This is why we can't write a book together. I was ready for synopsis. I'm doing an intro. I'm doing an I was intro. Ready. Just blowing the shit up before I, I was ready for a synopsis. You set me up for a synopsis of Foundation, and then all of a sudden you're talking Disney, and yeah, you're lost I'm, me. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm getting there. I, it, it's coming. It's coming. I talk in a very roundabout way, which juries love. Anyway, um, so <laughs> the sun sets on this Scarlett Johansson lawsuit, which we talked about in the past, right? So there was this big lawsuit. We thought it was kind of going to to hearken uh, a big deal within the streaming industry, where all of these studios had to pivot or that's what they chose to do and release their movies online rather than um, only in the theater. Some of them done um, just dual, dual bifurcated release. 
And because of that, Scarlett Johansson, uh, her initial lawsuit that said that she'd lost out on as much as $80 million. Wow. Significant amount of money. And yeah. that was based on the it's residuals like that she would have got on the back end. So yeah, you know, it's that, it's that minimum Hollywood wage type thing. And there was a lot of discussion, like what, what is this going to mean for other, uh, other folks who have been in the same situation? Because if you look at um, Jungle, Qu- or Jungle Cruise, same thing happened, right? They bifurcated the release schedule for that. Um, and I actually have a question for you guys based on that. But anyway, news is came out. Is it sexist? Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Is it like, it's interesting. Oh, well, that was my anticipation because you have someone, a movie that's led by, you know, the Hollywood's leading man versus Hollywood's leading lady. And they see fit to actually renegotiate contract with the leading man and not with the leading lady for reasons that are unfounded and unknown other than they just feel like they can get away with one versus the other. Okay. Um, But news came out in the last 24 hours that uh, they have settled their lawsuits. So Scarlett Johansson is reportedly very happy with whatever the deal was uh, i think at the end of the day so while they said that they missed out on as much as 80 million dollars at the end of the day i think they talked about 50 million dollars that was a number that was thrown out by her and her lawyers um they have been settled for an undisclosed that's how much amount. they wanted right. that's how much they, they have, wanted originally they when they first for an undisclosed this. amount so they gave a range right yeah. the range before was between 50 and 80 they were like we want 50 and so there's an undisclosed amount that has been settled for. Um, Scarlett Johansson has talked about working with Disney in the future um, now that this has been resolved. And so we'll see what happens going forward. Um, what are you guys' thoughts about it on it? We'll, go, we'll start with Danny since Jammer has been very vocal about the- uh, I, I agree with you guys. I was out of the loop for a little while, but I do remember uh, the conversation going ahead as such where this was gonna be settled. It wasn't gonna be something that was gonna end in anybody's, anybody's tears. It was in everybody's interest to reach a, an amicable uh, solution. So I, I don't think this news is, is really news as far as they've reached the settlement and everything's okay and we're moving forwards. I think that was, that was always gonna be the case. It is interesting that it came up and I wasn't aware of that Jungle Cruise um, uh, situation. So that, that's, that's a little bit more concerning than this. Um, so I can't help but think that this was inevitable and not surprising and you know, next story, so to speak, not to say that Jammer can't chime in, but just, I think this was inevitable and, and it's a good thing. I'm glad they've, they've come to an arrangement and just, uh, hopefully they'll sort their shit out for the future because it's not quite over this situation yet, especially in the US, right? So, and that was the question I was going to ask you guys. Are you all surprised that uh, Scarlett Johansson jumping out there first on this grenade and suing Disney um, didn't start like an avalanche of folks doing the same thing? Because I remember when this first cropped up, um, Cruella. Emma Stone. Was, yeah. yeah. That was one of the other films that got talked about, which I think she said that she was examining her options. And thus far, we haven't heard anything. So, Jim, yeah. why don't you jump on that? Uh, did I think it would start an avalanche? Well, as far as I know, there's already, Disney already has some contract issues. I'm not sure if you guys have been familiar with the Disney must pay hashtag, but there are a lot of writers from, I believe, the Star Wars legend line line. And the problem is Disney obviously bought Lucasfilm, thereby absorbing the contract. But they're just like, we're not going to pay you guys what you were contractually obligated to because the second we bought you, we basically have no responsibility, which is not right. Um, And 
they have paid some of the higher profile authors, but there's still many they're not paying. So this is par for the course for Disney. Um, but yeah, I just, I am not surprised this worked out. What I am a little surprised at is how quickly Scarlett Johansson is, is getting ready to work again with Disney. Uh, it's because she's working on, what was it, Hollywood Tower of Terror is the one she talks about. She's excited yeah. to work with again. If you're a fan of Black Widow, that is good news. That means that if they decide they want to use her into any capacity in the future, they likely will. Um, so that's cool. But yeah, I still, am I surprised that there's no more? No, because Disney, unless you're Scarlett Johansson, you're not going to get anything out of this. Your lawyers aren't good enough, unfortunately. And as much as I like Scarlett Johansson as an actress, she's not exactly one that is fighting on behalf of other people as somebody who, you know, took a role of an Asian character and was going to take the role of a transgender gender character. And has because like she a thinks history she should of... be able to play a tree. Right. So she's not exactly fighting on behalf of people who are under her. So I, I just didn't see her sort of leading a charge of any kind. Maybe if it was a different actor, I, I could see that, but now she's very much like in it herself and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but is kind of how it is. So no, not surprised. Okay. What I do find interesting, I could not find anything about Disney renegotiating a contract with Dwayne Johnson. I know that he said that he wasn't going to sue, um, but I do not recall and I could not find anything about him getting his contract negotiated. So neither him nor Emily Blunt actually renegotiated their contracts with Disney, as far as I know. Uh, I need to get back on that because I remember it at the time, but this was months ago at this point. So let me see okay. if I could find. Okay. Let me see if I could find that. I know. It's hard. While you're doing that, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the next thing. And you can you can just jump in there and slap me in the face and stop me. Um <laughs> Apple reportedly told the TV and movie works union it's Apple TV plus had fewer than 20 million subscribers. Um so as of right now, uh, they said in August, they did not have uh, more than 20 million subscribers. And that's in contrast to something like Netflix, which has 209 million subscribers, uh, which is, I think, a shame. Because literally before I came down here to podcast, I was watching Foundation. Pretty good. Uh, and before that, I was watching Ted Lasso. Pretty damn good. So um, I'm curious what you guys think about that versus... Um, what is it that Apple has to do to actually get the word out and get people to subscribe to this? Because, it, you know, between Ted Lasso getting seven Emmys and people constantly talking about their shows, um, or a lot of people that I know talking about the shows, what does they need to do to get folks to pay into this? Wow, that's a question because I, I love the content that they've put out there. So my, my, my worry is that they, they end up making a decision where they, they pull back from this. But I think it was such a huge investment that I think they're in it for the long term. I don't think they're going to throw as much money as they have and did and then just capitulate after, how long has it been? Like five years, maybe? Maybe not even that. Four? Yeah, that's not been that long. Yeah. So, so from a selfish point of view, it, I just think it, the content's great. So I guess, I guess all that I can do is just tell people how good the shows are. I mean, that one that you just mentioned, um, uh, uh, Jonesy, I've, I've seen that I've seen the trailers that's added to the list and there's more stuff on my to watch list from Apple TV than pretty much any other yeah. streaming service at the moment, including the, the second season of the morning show. And I'm just, 
I can't keep up with how much good content they're throwing out there. But I guess I'm, I'm not knowledgeable enough about what they could do. Do you think yeah. it's streaming service like overload and there's just too so, much for people, especially in the US? I One of the things that I've talked about before, so to answer the first thing you said, one November 2019 is when they launched. So it hasn't been that long. It's been a while. Wow. But the only thing I would throw out there, and I have to pull it up to see it, I know that Disney Plus soon passed that number uh, within their first year. And it was surprising, I think, to them and the industry generally, how quickly they racked up folks. Um, and, but they had known, they had Marvel and right. Star Wars. And stuff. They had already in-house content that they could dump. Apple was pretty much working from, from, from zero, and right? That's exactly what I was going to lead into. So what I think what I would suggest and what I would say and probably one of the issues is they don't have any exclusive content except for the new stuff that they're making now. And yeah. where you see Amazon purchases MGM and it gets exclusive rights to all of their content, Apple doesn't have anything like that. And I was yeah. kind of waiting, given all of the cash that they have on hand for Apple to purchase some studio. Um, and that way they could leverage both all of that content that already exists, put it exclusively on their platform, plus put on top of that, all of the stuff. It's kind of like a, a hodgepodge version of the Netflix model where they get, they've got all this other stuff, um, but they also have the things that they're creating on top of it. Because as it stands right now, I'm watching, so Jammer, I'm watching um, Home Before Dark right now. Um, oh, how's that? It's good. Uh, I think I'm towards the end of the first season. I don't think there's another season out, right? There is. Okay, damn it. It's so towards the end of the first season. Which I, I haven't I haven't started watching it yet because I feel like I, it's one of those things where I needed to go back and watch like the second half of the first season mm -hmm. and then pick up from there. And so I haven't done that yet. So yeah. Yeah. It's a slow burn. What are your thoughts on that? I, I was curious because if the main character is a little kid and I know little kids have a tendency to be utilized as props and given that this is main character is a little kid how that worked out for you and so, what you think in terms of it being focused on a child and yet not necessarily being a children's show and what your thoughts are on that um i like it i think that this does the opposite of what i don't like that they do with kids like kids are generally problems that need to be dealt with when i usually express that it's because the kid is constantly doing dumb shit and causing the problems that then need to be fixed. Um, yeah. So it's frustrating because it doesn't necessarily have to be a child, but that is generally the way children are written when they're not the focus of whatever it is. Um, I like that this is not necessarily a children's show, but it's still focused on kids. Like my kids are into it. They like that they get to see someone that kind of looks like them. Um, but it's still an interesting story for adults. It's got, it's like, it is almost, I don't want to say a live action cartoon, but you know how you would go see some movies and there's just, there's just content there that is for adults. No child watching whatever it is you're watching will understand what the hell it is in this cartoon. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the same way. Um, so I enjoy that. And I appreciate that. Um, but so there's that. Um, um, Crap, I lost my train of thought. Morning show. Um, you were talking the, about other content from another production yeah. house. Studio. No, no. So all of the content on Apple TV Plus that um, I enjoy 
So it's it's interesting and it's hard to, you know, like for all mankind to talk about stuff like that. But all of that to say, they have lots of good original content and I hate feeling like I'm an advertisement for Apple TV Plus, but I really feel like the missing thing is having established- Welcome to my world. Yeah. Having established older content that people will just go there for, like you'll go there for the older content that you're familiar with. You'll stay for the new stuff. So mm. I don't know. Jammer, did you want to jump in on that? Say anything about it? I'm still looking for that quote, but uh, oh basically I found that it's from Variety, but I'm yeah. trying to find the specific Variety article that said Johnson had it, was given the opportunity to renegotiate his contract. Okay. But I can't find it right now. So maybe, maybe I'm full of shit, but I feel like I'm going to keep looking. I mean, that's no surprise to me. But anyway. Yeah. The other... Anyway, so what was what was the question? Because I, I do want to participate in this conversation. <laughs> Anything Apple TV Plus, I'm happy to talk about because you know how they improve that numbers. Yeah. Oh, how do they improve their numbers? Uh, I think it helps that they have the backing of a multi. Like a, is it trillion dollar industry or a tri- trillion dollar company at this point still? Probably. And they can Amazon it, where they just put steady money into it, get some quality shows out there get another, you know, big impact show like Ted Lasso. I'm already seeing this out in the wild, you know, uh, talking to people who aren't anywhere remotely involved in the industry, talking about Ted Lasso, talking about Mythic Quest, talking about, actually, those are the two. Those are the only two at this point that I feel like have sort of punctured mainstream somewhat. Um, But yeah, just keep throwing them out there. And you have money to burn through. Just keep on putting that good shit out there and then let it happen organically don't necessarily feel the need to strike rich from the get-go because that's just unrealistic and they have the money to make it happen more organically so here's here's something that'll make it hurt in that same period of time so apple tv plus launched i said one november 2019 disney plus launched 12 november 2019 and already has over 100 million subscribers you can't compare the two though because that's that's, i'm just saying but Yep. That's how analysts look at it. That's how quote analysts unquote, are fucking folks stupid. At it. I get what you're saying. And I get what you're like, you all have both raised the excellent point that they have all of that other content just to dump onto their service. And Apple TV is basically starting from scratch. And that's what I'm trying to fix in the idea that I came yep. up with. But if you're just looking at it from a pure numbers perspective, that's got to hurt somebody. I mean, I so, think the yeah. problem is we do these comparisons. We say, oh, it's not doing Disney Plus, therefore it's failing. Not necessarily. You know, I didn't like say you failing. Said, we're, it's, well, I'm, I'm saying I'm sure that that narrative is out there somewhere, given these yeah. numbers. You know, they're making that comparison. It's like, it's no Disney Plus. It's like, no, no, no streaming no, services, no. Disney Plus. No. Um, they're, basically, they're basically starting where Netflix started in 2012, except with a lot more competition or whenever yeah. House of Cards first came out. Uh, except they're starting off even lower than that because House of Car- or Netflix even had, they were the lone sharks out there. That's not the right term. The lone wolves out there um, who were, had like rights to movies and stuff that they were streaming out there. Like they were really, they had that catalog of films to bolster them while they produced original content where Apple doesn't even have that. So they're starting, they're not just at dirt level, they're beneath dirt level. They're like where the ants from a bug's life are residing and they're just sort of <laughs> having to push their way up. Okay. 
my 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 concern would be for purely from a consumer point of view is that if they did buy another a, a company and had a load of extra content to dump on that this good stuff that we all really enjoy could get lost in the mix somewhere because you know you they you'd go in and you'd say oh i recognize that logo i'm going to watch that or i recognize that actor or character i'm going to watch that and then shows that we've fallen in love with and think really are good and they are good Oh, well, I've not seen that before. I won't bother with that. So I'd, I'd like to see Apple continue with this, continue to do what they're doing and just maintain the quality of their shows. Yeah, they've had a few misses, but overall it's been hit after hit. And I'd like to see them just yeah. keep doing that and build a platform that, okay, the numbers are slow and they'll slow rise and they're not trying to get the 200 million plus subscribers of Disney, but they're looking for some, some quality and love or loathe Apple. It's always been about the quality of their products, right? Some people don't like using them, et cetera, but it's always been... Uh, the, the quality over quantity, so to speak. Apple with their products, they've managed to hit both with that, though they sell a lot of their stuff with good quality stuff. And I'd like to see them just keep persevering so that their streaming service does the same thing, ends up being big numbers with great quality. Yeah, I think uh, I can't even think of a, of a miss from Apple. Like there's some stuff that I don't like personally, but even like for, my, for all mankind, I'm like, I could see why people like that. It's just too slow for me. No, that's um, what I'm, else, I'm apart from stuff I didn't like, but not yeah. necessarily it was a, a terrible. And show, I still want to yeah. watch C. Is C good? Has anyone watched C? I couldn't get past the first two episodes. So is it I'm boring? Sh- I mean, it made it to the second season. It's just not. How can I describe it? I'm not sure that's that's a much of anything because I feel like Apple is automatically greenlighting everything for a second season just so they can give some traction to their shows. Yeah, it's um, there's just lore that. I'm not sure I, I could care about to hmm. be interested. And there was something about foundation that immediately hooked me. And I think maybe my level of disinterest in C was like, I just didn't care about, for lack of a better term, like post-apocalyptic humans, for whatever reason, uh, living in a tribal society. I was like, whatever, I don't care. But, there was another thing you mentioned, Danny, that piqued my interest that I wanted to pursue. What else did you say? Do you remember what you said? <laughs> Anything like at the tail end of what you were saying? Because there was a tangent that I wanted to pull and, and go down. Um, uh, quality of products, quality of programming, things getting lost. Oh, yeah. Content on it. Things this getting lost. Tangent. Yes. This was a tangent. This is the tangent. This is completely non sequitur, but it's somewhat sequitur. I okay. just, you talk about the quality of the products. I hate fucking PC and Android people who are just like, Oh yeah, it's if they only have good quality for people who don't know. So like otherwise, it's like in order to get as good of a quality of like products, you have to dedicate your life to knowing technology in order to know what to get and how much to spend on this and that. And at the end of the day, you're likely spending the same same amount of money to get like or a similar amount of money to get that same amount of product. If you talk about like your investment in terms of the industry itself, um, it's just frustrating. Yeah, I'll go change. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Jonesy's deciding if he agrees or not. Yeah, I'm trying to think through what you said about spending the same amount. Do you mean time and money? Yeah. I don't know. So it's hard for me to say. I don't know that I could agree or disagree because I like reading about tech. Just agree. Just, no, no. Yeah, well, but, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I like reading about it just as a hobby. And so for me, yeah. I don't know what the average person looks at. I know that a lot of people ask me the question, like, what phone should I buy? What computer should I buy? And so they kind of use me as shorthand for this. And my question always goes back to like, well, what are you going to do with it? Because that is the thing that colors that entire 
answer. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm perfectly good with Android and PC. It's just those people who, who unabashedly hate Apple because they think it's overpriced. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who are just Apple snobs as well. Because I oh, yeah. saw somebody post something that said, like, if you're over 35 and you have an Android phone, like, I can't date you. I don't know what you're doing <laughs> with your life. It's like, okay. For some reason, he's single. <laughs> and it probably has nothing to do with, you know his views on apple just his general douchebaggery um, that particular person was a woman but oh sure. well her general douchebaggery she's single i mean but story there are doesn't people change that feel like, i think that there are people who have you heard about the green bubble blue bubble thing man we are really going oh using um iMessage if you are in there if everybody has an iphone then you're in blue bubble city right like those are your replies those are your answers and you can do better quote unquote things within the chat versus if I have an Apple and you have an Android, your bubble show up is green. And whenever you try and do group messages, people are like, it's so, it's so gross. Whenever there's a green bitch in my chat and they ruin everything, all the reactions, all of the freaking videos, it's the worst. I'm not going to lie. I've become that person to where I text somebody and they're green. I'm just like, oh, that's not me being a snob. That's just me not liking the fact that the features that I like are not being supported. <sighs> anyway, so yeah. Yes, I know I am the you're problem. One of those people. And, yeah. you know, I just think it's interesting. Um, it's everything else. Everybody's got to pick a side. I think it's fine. You really don't um, have to pick a side, though. It's just a minor pet peeve that I hate, and I think everyone should, you know, I, you know, die who doesn't have an apple. But other than that, I think it's completely, you know, whatever. It's whatever, man. Yeah, I'm slowly sinking into the apple. Like I'm just, I'm completely subsumed. It's done. I, I used to be a PC person, but then I stopped having time to devote to learning about technology and having time to sink into troubleshooting problems. Yeah. That. I just didn't, it just wasn't worth it. And then I switched to Mac. And I, I still, just, yeah. you know, that 10 page expose I wrote last year, I still hold as the thing that caused, it was two years ago. Oh God. Um, about switching over to the Apple Watch. Remember I sent you a long thing, like let's try mm-hmm. different things on LRM. Switch, finding a device that I could work out with all the time is the thing that is just completely like, I'm just going to stay over here in the Apple camp because this is what I need. I need to be able to wake up in the morning, put my headphones in, go for a run. That's what I need. And Android wasn't doing it for me. So yeah. And I hate the Google Pixel. I've, I've talked about this last I week. I love the week Google before. Pixel. Google Pixel. Oh, Google Pixel 2. Oh, I mean, that is the old. That's the one I phone. have experienced. I mean, it, was, it wasn't old when I it wasn't old when I got it, dude. It was to be clear, I got it when it was brand new. I didn't get a secondhand Google Pixel 2 like this year. It's great. I just yeah, it's not. It was great. One thing I did like day about day. it, I liked I liked having a fingerprint in the back, yeah. so you can hold like that. It's cool. Oh yeah, whatever. Um, but other than that, trash phone, trash ecosystem. I I've never had so many apps that I got that should have worked that decided, yeah, I'm not gonna do it. Hey, you know that thing? You know how like when you know you have a notification pop up on your screen and you're like, oh, I wonder what that is. You tap it. What should happen? It should uh, go to that app, right? So they go to the notification. It doesn't do that. It was just like, oh, you tapped it, disappear. Fuck you. And it basically flips me off as it's happening. And yeah, no, no. Okay. 
Yeah, so when you tap something, you don't want it to disappear, that's for sure. You want it that to is, hang around. That is definitely long. true. Obviously. Yeah. Make you a sandwich. <laughs> so, um, it's funny. There was actually supposed to be a companion lawsuit to the discussion we were having before, and I just, just kind of like didn't want to, just wanted to break it up a little bit. Uh, the other Marvel lawsuit is the one where the heirs of the prominent right. writers who are the creators of mm. Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, uh, Falcon, Thor, a uh, bunch of others. So right now, Disney is basically in a battle for to retain so ownership. Hmm? Sorry, it sounds cool when you call it a battle. It is a battle. It, it, it's a battle. I know, but I'm thinking like, you know, swords and guns and shit. No, no, it's a bunch of dudes in suits like arguing about shit in court, uh, writing very incendiary memos and motions. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's what's happening. So the the heirs of Stanley, Steve Ditko, and Gene Cohen are suing for relief, and basically they want to have co ownership over uh, these characters with Disney slash Marvel. And this is a deal at this point is worth billions of dollars. And the idea is that these characters were created for Marvel as work for hire. And once the cop copyright on them expires, then they should revert back to these folks um, or their heirs. And Disney is saying, no, no, at this point, we own them all. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this. There was another similar lawsuit with um, uh, Superman way back in the day. And I don't think that worked out for them either. So, uh, yeah, I was about to say, is there a precedent for this? But if that's the precedent, then. Yeah. Um, um, I remember that they tried to do this with DC slash Warner Brothers, and it was not, it did not work for them at the time. And I don't know if maybe the facts are different. Um, it's very easy to look at, you know, the wave tops, the, the very, the surface similarities and say like, oh, well, then it's gonna work out or it's not gonna work out for them. But I don't know what the specific details are because I know that structurally Marvel and DC did different things for their writers um, and how they were supposedly set up. And so yeah. that difference in how their contracts work could make all the difference in whether or not um, these characters end up reverting back to the heirs. So we'll see. Add to the throne. Um, but the, I guess the question for I, I have for you guys is, you know, are we going to end up seeing more Night Monkey movies in the future, or <laughs> are they going to be able to sell? Because there's there are a couple of ways out of this. We've seen one when we were talking about the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. There's the potential for just a straight up settlement, and then everybody just goes away happy. And Disney continues to do this, um, or rather than a co-ownership, you end up seeing these folks get money on the back end, some percentage of the box office take. Um, based on what you could imagine potential resolutions could be, what would you all want to see happen here? Well, I don't know about want, but I feel like of the two scenarios you just painted, neither of them are end without Disney retaining rights to this character. Whether or not they pay for them is another question. Well, but regardless, regardless of if they say, hey, you need to pay royalties, they'll do it. But if they have lawyers who are good enough to say, hey, you don't have to pay royalties, they keep it anyway. There's not a situation where they say, hey, you have to pay royalties. They're just like, nah, we're not going to do it. That's not happening. 
they're gonna keep them because it's that they're cash cows like they're so getting billions of dollars for like the equivalent of maybe a few hundred thousand dollars a year or maybe even just a small percentage of whatever profits in my setup i was kind of joking cheekily i said are we going to see more night monkey movies that was them losing full rights to the characters and just using off-brand spider-man but fuck no here's what i forgot <laughs> here's what i did not add there's just only the potential for them to lose um, full ownership versus partial ownership as part of this lawsuit. So there is no scenario where they would actually not be like, they would also, they would, there is no scenario where they would lose all of the rights to these characters. It's correct. Full ownership that they're in danger of losing. Yeah, but they're still going to use, there's, there's nothing's going to change for us. I'll put it that way. If if they had plans of using Spider-Man every year until 2050, pre-lawsuit and post-lawsuit, nothing that happens with the lawsuit is going to change any of those plans on our end. It's just going to change where the money goes. That's it. Okay. Danny? Yeah, I, I can't see any scenario where they're not keeping the rights. I... I I think, and I, this is again, you know, you guys and Jam, especially with a little bit more of the insider Hollywood kind of knowledge about numbers and stuff. I would think that some sort of percentage of box office would seem to me as a layman person to be the fairest way of doing it, because as a character, let's face it, when a character gets onto the big screen, that's success, right? You know, they've gone from transition to a comics to maybe their own comic book run and then maybe a TV show, but then to get up on the big screen and be up there with the big boys and big girls, um, that's got to be the peak of that character's career. So therefore I would think that some sort of share of that would seem fair to the writers, the creators, um, rather than a one-off payment or however, whatever other options they are. I would see that as the fair option, but I have no idea on how the numbers really work, you know, in a, in the big scheme of things, but that would seem fair. That would seem fair to me. They are the creators. They would have some sort of input as well of where they feel their character would go or grow or how they would act, etc. So it seems fair to me. I wish we could get like a, we need, not that you all aren't good, like an industry expert. We need an insider, mm. right? Somebody that could come on to the show. I'm good. About I'm this an week. industry expert. Me. I used to live in Hollywood. I said insider. I said insider. <laughs> Somebody insider. Because the I'm thing kidding. that I would love, I would love to hear that perspective, but I know that it would have to be either anonymous or something of that nature, somebody that wasn't afraid of, I don't want to say selling out their boss, but saying something in such a way that somebody couldn't point to it and say like, see, this is how it works behind the scenes and um, end up screwing somebody over. So I would love to find a way to do that. If anybody out there knows anybody that would like to come on the show. Yeah, so if Feel you're a Hollywood insider who really hates your job and doesn't want to work again <laughs> in Hollywood, come on to the show and tell us all about the, the insider be, contracts. Or has previously worked, right? Like, I would love to, to hear about this. So this, mm-hmm. this is the kind of nerdy shit that I'm into. Hollywood contracts. It's here. Anyway, moving on. Um, I, I kind of was going to talk about, we got a picture from HBO's Last of Us. Looks just like the game. Yeah, it was weird. It was just like, That's hey, the they're wearing the same outfits. Yeah. Like, okay. They look they look yeah. like their characters in the in the in the in the the, the game. They did. I mean for it's, you. Like you you did you, it. You did it. <laughs> I mean it's it's like it's like a huge <laughs> difference between <gasps> did we talk about Cowboy Bebop trailer? Did we or opening? No, that came out this past week. 
Oh my God! No, we didn't. Last, last week you we were getting oh, me to watch. Oh, you're right. I think and did that drop the same day? I think it dropped the same day or the day after. Oh. Um, oh yeah. Do it. Do so, the but basically, talk about the reason. The okay, but the reason why I said that is because uh, you're adapting something that already is basically doing what it can to look realistic. So, translating that to live action is really easy. So it's like. I mean, basically it had the aesthetic and feel of The Walking Dead. Just do that again in a different world and you're good. Um, unlike something like Cowboy Bebop, which is very interesting. Um, so recently, the pa- this past Saturday during the hashtag to dumb thing, which is basically Netflix's uh, equivalent of DC fandom. So those don't know, to dumb, that's, you know, that's what it's from. It's them doing their, their opening part. Anyway. We got a bunch of stuff, including a Stranger Things season four trailer, which I thought looked pretty good. But Cowboy Bebop was the highlight for me. Um, And it basically was the opening of the show. Uh, For those who don't know, the opening of the animated series is very iconic. Has that uh, Yoko Kano, I think that's her name. Uh, The composer opening, like the really jazz inspired. Anyways, you know the song. Anyway, it has that opening with it, and they basically did kind of a, a semi-replication reimagining of it in live-action form, and uh, it basically gives you an idea of what the feel of the show is, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, because really? here's the thing. Cowboy Bebop, when you think of the anime, gritty. you don't think, you think kind of gritty. You think this is, this is sort of like a, a gritty space western. The yep. world is kind of dirty and grimy. And while it does have its anime-isms, overall, I'd say it feels relatively grounded. However, when you're translating it to retain those more anime elements and doing it in live action, you're no longer retaining that grittiness. Instead, you're leading it to camp, and it almost feels more like Speed Racer than it does a... It's almost like... I'm trying Mm. to think of what it is. It's the difference between... That too. I thought Dick Tracy, Speed Racer, and then Cowboy Bebop mixed together. But here's the thing, is that this is basically the the difference between translation and adaptation. And this is my problem with a lot of Japanese live action shows or movie adaptations of of animated things is that they translate, they don't adapt. Cowboy Bebop, if adapted properly, should have been thinking, what is the feeling that Cowboy Bebop gives you while watching the animation? I think is sort of grounded gritty a little bit depressing yeah it has some fun to it but it should retain sort of a more realistic feel to it however rather than do that they just said one-to-one he has green hair he has green hair he has this outfit do that outfit and the result is you don't get the same feeling from watching this in live action that you would watching an animation and so something is lost along the way does that mean it's bad not necessarily it could be fun i love speed racer i liked dick tracy when i was a kid i haven't watched it in decades since and it's, it could be unique in its own way, but I'm not sure it's capturing what I really enjoyed about the series. What's so funny? I started thinking about Dick Tracy, and I was thinking about Dustin Hoffman during the uh, interrogation <laughs> scene. Big boy did it. 88 keys. Piano play. What do you think, Jonesy? As someone who fondly remembers Dick Tracy, I'm cautiously optimistic about this adaptation mostly because of the cast that's involved I think you're right that in terms of feeling I don't get the same feel 
from this. Um, Cowboy Bebop to me feels very somber in a way. And from these colors and this palette and this look, I don't get that. And even if they're able to somehow get there emotionally, I think there will always be a disconnect in my brain based on how bright it looks and what I think I'm supposed to be feeling, given yeah. what I know happens in the story. Um, I also thought it was kind of interesting some of the scenes that they showed in the opening. Um, because spoiler alert for a 20 year old cartoon they showed what is almost the last scene in the cartoon so there's a scene in there that is like but here's the thing like that, that's one of those end. and I that's just one of those things you're not going to know you're not going to know until unless you're not going to know it's a spoiler unless you've seen the series sure i just think it was interesting um it was kind of surprising to me um because i think that the reason that they are making this into a live action show is because there are a lot of people that have seen it. And so I think that that's kind of the surprise, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, yeah, what I do really you think, Danny? I don't, I don't, I've got nothing on this because I still haven't had a chance to watch the one that you sent me to, Jammer. The, um, uh, you haven't seen the trailer that I sent you? Nope. You didn't watch the trailer? I, I sent that trailer to be watched and it remained unwatched. <laughs> It's life unfulfilled. You didn't put a timestamp on it. That's true. That's good. But point. I will. In fact, you know what? I'm now, now, because I didn't say I would, but now I promise I'm going to watch it. When we're done with the show tonight, first thing I'm going to do is watch it before I go to bed. Wait, it, how what, about this? The movie or the trailer? The trailer. The trailer. The one that you guys want. <laughs> the trailer. It's like, don't worry, guys. Not- I'll watch that two minute trailer you sent me. That I'll, I'll commit. Yeah, that. but I'm not committing to watching the fucking movie of it. It's nearly midnight. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's fair. That's fair. I forget the time difference. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting. It's just the camp. They're committing to the camp. And Cowboy Bebop isn't camp. Again, that's not to say it's bad. It could be great. Yeah. But I'm not sure it captures Cowboy Bebop. Hey, Once again, let me ask you something. Adaptation versus transliteration. Given, if you translate something from one medium to another, you, in order to attain that same feeling of that thing, you might need to make some changes. And it doesn't seem like they made those changes. There are things that I haven't really paid attention to with the show because I'm, I don't want to walk. It, it's weird. I like this. I want to see it. I, I feel like I've deliberately not paid attention to it. Do we know that this is only going to be a one season show? No. Okay. Um, no, because everyone's talking about Ed is missing from this, and I think it's because she's exactly going to be introduced going later. Yeah. Okay. I think they're hoping for multiple seasons, spreading out this story over multiple seasons, probably three. I'm throwing that out of my ass. I have no idea why, but I think I heard three somewhere. So Ed will be showing up later. When does she show up again? Like, Relatively I don't even know early. how many episodes in. Yeah. Uh, because I would say definitely in the first third, because that's where Ayn comes from. I'm pretty sure Ayn was with her. I need to rewatch the show. I haven't watched Um, it forever. It's so weird that my question, like literally you answered, I was, my question was leading into, I'm surprised that Ed isn't here. And I'm curious whether or not it's, did they make the decision that she's too weird for the show? I wonder if they have to get some sort of multi-season commitment to shoot back to back because Ed is like very much a young person. And once they like, they have to hire this actress at a specific age 
And then once she grows, the whole feel of Ed is going to be like different, you know? So they just have to get those seasons out quickly. That way you don't have aging Ed. But you know who'd be good as Ed? True. Fuck, what's her name? Eleven, whatever the hell her name is. Oh, she, yeah. She would have been. Oh, no, I think she still could be. She still could be. She, get her. What the fuck's her name again? Uh, I'm going to let you work on that. What is her name? <laughs> I'm like, what is her name? It's Millie Bobby Brown. That's it. Millie Bobby I was just Brown. Gonna let you, I just like watching your struggle face. Oh, <laughs> sounds okay, weird. I'm never going to say that again. That's yeah, that's. <laughs> Never gonna say that again. <laughs> Let's talk about some movies. You guys want to talk about some movies? Yeah, I, I think I got a peek into, into into the Jonesy household's life there for a second. <laughs> Show me your struggle face. Um, <laughs> so we didn't talk about this beforehand. So Danny, you tell me how you want to do this because Jammer, as I recall, you haven't seen either movie, right? That is correct. I have All not. Right. Unfortunately, I was too damn busy this week, busy. which is disappointing. Um. Danny, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? And I ask that because my review of Venom pending your questions will be relatively short. Well, I know where this is going. Yeah, uh, well, do you? Um, Because mine too for uh, the latest James Bond film, but for maybe different reasons, maybe the same reasons. Um, So I don't know, Jammer, you choose, buddy. Let's let's let Jammer choose. Venom, Venom, Venom. Really? Okay. So, Jammer, you like the first one, right? I mean, I think it's inter- it's entertaining trash. You know what's weird? One, to, I could swear. To watch once. To watch as, once. As I was putting my headphones on, I could hear you like, I could swear I heard you talking about you enjoyed it. And yeah, I, I remember making I enjoy okay. it as entertaining trash. There's so much like, hesitation it's not good. now. So much hesitation. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of the best way to word it. Because okay. it's not good. It's just weird and fun and i haven't watched it more than once and i don't plan on watching it again even though i was sent it by the studio i'm not going to watch it again i just have it on blu-ray uselessly now if you had paid to go see it do you think your opinion would change like the effort to put on pants go to the theater go okay no i mean i I don't i don't i'm not i'm not an embittered asshole who i just try to look you know relatively objectively like okay what is what, what is does that experience? mean if i have to put on pants to go somewhere the shit better be fucking that's all i'm I have saying to pay 10 fucking dollars zip up my put fly put on a shirt like movie whatever. sucks i put so much whatever. effort into it so much effort in putting clothes on danny have you seen the first one yes sir okay did you like it not really okay <laughs> now thank you thank god anyway so uh, don't get me wrong i'm aware that my opinion is trash in this regard mm. yeah I'm not going to die on the hill of like, this is a good movie. <laughs> That's good. I'd stab you right through the heart. <laughs> I, so how do I feel about this? I, I wrote a Twitter review. You guys remember Tailspin? Did you watch Tailspin growing up? Tailspin. Oh, 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 oh. So here's my Twitter review of, Car- of uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. It would be a better use of your time to imagine what oh, no. Don Carnage would do with a symbiote in the Tailspin universe than to watch this movie. No one oh, knows wow. who the fuck Don Carnage is. I included a gift in my Twitter review, though. So, like, here, Don here's, Carnage. I can show you. Wasn't Don Carnage in, uh, yeah, he was in the late, the new DuckTales movie. He show was in the, new Duck, in the new DuckTales. Kind so, there are now. some people that know that. Um, so, I, you know, I did not enjoy the first one. And I can only imagine that if you enjoyed the first one, you would probably enjoy this one. The people who made this movie, I think Andy definitely Serkis. enjoyed, yeah, 
so Andy Circus. Um, um, oh God, what's wrong with my brain? I'm gonna pull up the cast because my brain's not working. Um, everybody His, seemed to be enjoying Tom Hardy enjoying this. Tom Hardy, um, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. They were all into this, right? They they all loved. It. They all had a rip roaring good time. I wish that I had as much fun watching this movie as they did making it. What I find fascinating about this movie, I genuinely find this to be fascinating, um, is that as I'm sitting there watching this movie and I feel nothing, like nothing. There are people around me like guffawing and laughing, like I'm watching a completely different movie. And I cannot remember having another experience like that except for the first one. I've never been in a theater where I enjoy something so little and everybody around me enjoys it so much. Oh, and wow. it was kind of fascinating. Um, it was almost like I, I felt like I was on some sort of drug or in an alternate reality where people are laughing at stuff. And I'm just like, I have, I have no idea what's happening. Um, there was one I've scene. I've had the was... opposite where I seemed to be having a great time and no one else seemed to understand why I was enjoying it so much. What was the movie? I think it was it was something quite recent. I think it might even have been um ah oh, you're gonna you carry on, Jones. That's gonna bug me. Okay. It was happening last month. It was one of the ones that we talked about on the show. I so I'm watching how's this go? Yeah, so there was one scene where I laughed. And I'll tell you what the scene was. There's a scene in the beginning where or towards like the first third, where Venom and Eddie Brock are in an argument. And Venom comes out and he's facing Eddie Brock and they're arguing and Venom gets pissed and like headbutts him in the face and breaks his nose. And Venom's <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm so I, I don't know what came over me. Let me fix it. And he fixes his nose and he goes, so I can break it again. <laughs> <laughs> and he breaks his nose again. Like that part, I genuinely laughed at. Mostly because I don't like this portrayal of Eddie Brock. Um, and so him getting weird, punched right? in the face, but it's super fucking weird. It's weird to like, I'm not one of those people that is so wed to a comic book portrayal of a character that I cannot deal with another interpretation of that character when it's translated to another meaning. That's generally not me. However, it is weird to me to have like decades of Eddie Brock and then go like this this is going to be our interpretation of Eddie Brock. Like, it is a very strange, like, even the Topher Grace version was less um, grating. He was less grating to me. Like, I could tolerate that more than this. Because he was very subdued, whereas Tom Hardy's really going for it. Man, I I fucking hate this. I I can't, (laughs) I can't stand it. And... Oh, I can't I, wait to watch this movie. I can't tolerate watching him <laughs> on the screen because it's like there's nothing interesting about him. There's nothing likeable about likeable about him. He is. It, it's hard to pull for him. He is in every respect a loser, and he is a loser that doesn't have a real arc. It's where he starts out as a loser and he becomes a slightly like no, he's the same fucking dipshit he was in the first one. And there's oh. nothing where you you feel any like i don't know it's really weird like i said the people that like the first one 
this is all you. you you'll be all into this it's interesting to look at rotten tomatoes because the first movie got 30 percent. this one has 61 percent. the audience score for the first one was 80 percent. the audience score for this one is 85 percent. so i don't know how this compares to the original in terms of quality but the impression i get is it almost feels like the first one kind of stumbled into its style whereas this second one was just like oh it we're going to just lean it. it harder into that style, except yeah. do it purposefully. Therefore, it, it's probably less sloppy. So it is not an incompetently made movie. And I actually walked out of this movie thinking like, I need to try to change the words that I use when describing movies. Because it's not a bad movie in the sense like it's incompetently made. Like you can see boom mics and shit like that all over the place. Well, I hope not. It's a fucking Hollywood hundred million dollar blockbuster. Right. That's that's like, but that's like a, from, that's like low standards there. That's like student film standards that you're you're saying there. I'm trying to figure out how to normalize my language, but yeah, they doubled down on where the fuck this weird relationship is between Eddie Brock and the symbiote. Um, it is. It's also kind of interesting to me some of the stuff that they choices that they made character wise like i don't know how much you guys know about carnage but he and the symbiote like um oh god cleus cassidy and uh the carnage symbiote are so in sync they're so crazy that where venom refers to himself as we they are i that's how nuts they are but in here they still portrayed them as separate beings and separate entities and i think that they did that for the purpose of causing conflict between them towards the end that needed to be resolved. And it's like, I guess like that, I didn't care for that. And I I guess I, that bothers me. It's annoying. And it's only because I really didn't like this movie that I mentioned that because, you know, it's an adaptation. So you should be able to do whatever you want. Cause there are other little things like that. Like it's weird. I do. I, uh, I spoke with the director of the first movie Ruben Fleischer. Yeah. And I remember very specifically asking because I know a lot of Venom fans wanted something a little grittier, a lot of grittier, a lot. Grittier. Yeah. Yes. And I remember asking, how do you feel something along the lines of how do you feel about what made you decide to take this weirder approach to this, to the movie rather than something darker, maybe grittier that a lot of fans would like. And then he talked about how, there is an inherent goofiness to the character that has always been there that he wanted to capitalize on and that he thought was the right direction to take it. I just always thought that was really interesting. And it was like super intentional on his part, even if it felt super sloppy. Um, And I'm just really surprised that they decided to double down on it for this one, especially since presumably this is one that will continue into the MCU, which that's my next question. Jonesy. Let's talk about the MCU. So What's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there a one more thing. I'll say oh, one more thing. In that lead up between the first and second one, I think that Woody Harrelson is miscast in this role. Um, I don't like him as Carnage. He's okay. I'm Carnage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, Nick, I, I, Nick posted something or he retweeted something I thought was pretty good. Um, Walton Goggins would have been a fantastic. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah, he, that would have been so good. Woody Harrelson is good, but he brought a more subdued energy to this. 
Walton Goggins, when he goes big, it is still super entertaining to watch. And so I would have loved to see him take on a role like this, but whatever. I agree. Um, He would have been better. That would have been good. Yeah. Um, To answer your question, is there an MCU connection? So there is a post-credit scene to this, and uh, I don't think I've spoiled much in the movie up until this point. So spoiler alert for this movie. Um, At the end of the movie, the symbiote is talking to Eddie and he's like, hey, listen, um, you know, you guys are fucking puny ass humans. I've got this big brain. I've been living for all this time. You couldn't, you couldn't deal with like a small fraction of what I've seen in my life. And he's like, well, show me. And he goes, no, 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 you're pathetic human. You can't. He's like, no, show me. So the room kind of shudders a little bit and Brock is transported to another universe. And he's like, what the fuck did you just do? And the symbiote's like, I didn't do that. And you're transported to the moment in time where J. Jonah Jameson reveals that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And Eddie Brock is in a hotel room in somebody else's room in a different universe watching this happen. And Venom, he, Venom takes over his body and is looking at the TV screen where Peter Parker is being revealed and then he licks the TV screen. Um, and uh, he says something like something about that guy or something like that. And that's the moment. And so now they're in the same universe. But he's also, you know, by the time we get to Spider-Man 2 in December or Spider-Man 3 in December, months will have passed if he hasn't gone back. So weeks or months. I don't know. I get the impression that it's been a couple of months. So it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, Venom has been doing in this universe if he shows up again in Spider-Man 3. But I was just like, I guess, like if you're just gonna shimmy shutter and have him show up here and presumably it's because of the break in the universe caused by Peter's weird ass wish, um, his inability, to, I mean, he's in high school, right? So his inability to, to, to talk and work good, notwithstanding. But yeah, that's what happened. It is the most anticlimactic bullshit. Cause if you're like, how's this gonna happen? How are they gonna make this work? That's how just shut of the screen wow i can't help but think going back to something that you and uh, jammer just talked about a, a minute ago about um the introduction of venom into the marvel verse do you guys i get the feeling that it was the reason why venom wasn't as gritty or as dark or as close to that kind of was because sony always wanted to be part of the mcu and to do that it had to be a little bit less um a little bit more friendly to uh, general audiences and not necessarily adults. Do you feel that that might be a, well, if we, if we, if we soften him down a little bit, he can fit into the MCU easier in the future. Cause we know that we've got Spider-Man and we know that Venom and Spider-Man have a thing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that played a role in the director and the writer's choices or the studio's choices ultimately? I, it's weird. I say no, because he's still biting people's heads off. Right. So, even if somebody goes and watches this PG-13 version of this movie, he's still biting people's heads off. Um, and people are still getting bludgeoned to death and kicked to death. And it's, I think that they, so one, I think this movie needed to be rated R. I, okay. I, that's just my opinion. Um, but I don't think that they really softened his character that much because he's constantly talking about 
eating people and killing people. Yeah. And <laughs> they, they screamed about being the lethal protector in the campiest, dumbest fucking way in this movie. Um, there's a moment where they decide that they're going to work together and they're like, we are the lethal protector. And I'm like, am I fucking watching Power Rangers from the 90s? Like, that's what this is like. <laughs> that's what this seems straight out of. And so I don't, I don't think that they, no, to answer your question. Okay, that's fair. No, that's yeah. true. Yep. Subject to your questions, I, I don't have a fuck thing else to say about this movie. I, uh, <laughs> I don't just... have a fuck thing to ask. I'll watch it, I'll enjoy it, and I'll probably vote it as Oscar-winning movie of the year, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Please watch it. I, I really would like to hear what you think about it. All right. So, on a, on a, more, on a more positive note, should we talk Bond? Please. Let's talk Bond. I've been... Absolutely, I've been a, a James Bond fan for almost as long as I've been an Indiana Jones fan. And I've been waiting for this film, like everybody has, for much longer than we should have done for obvious reasons. But I've really been really, really wonderfully, excitedly, happily giddy as a schoolboy, knowing that my tickets were booked and I'm actually getting a chance to watch it yesterday. And it does not disappoint me at all. There's been some... There's been some stuff been written there's been some comments about some of the things that happened in the movie and stuff and I, I completely disagree with all that negative stuff that maybe you've seen Jonesy Jammer maybe you haven't or dear listener that you've seen for me it it, it was a fantastic um swan song as the word that's been you swung around for Daniel Craig's Bonds um it really was a, a great film I don't really want to go into too much detail about any of the plot stuff that goes on purely because I want people to enjoy the film for what it is. But I will say this, they, they do such a great job, I feel, in taking the Bond films that Craig has been involved with and showing his character arc. I was talking about it with my brother earlier today. We've had James Bonds in the past and we've had various actors play multiple versions of the character for multiple versions of the, uh, multiple films, but never have you had an arc with the character. Um, uh, Pierce Brosnan's, it was more or less a cut and paste of a James Bond film, right? You knew what you were going to get. It was the same thing over. When you look at the Daniel Craig films, he's had a character arc go through. Some of them have been better than others, but he's progressed as a character. And this one, his character is taken, I feel, to a natural progression through the film. He's obviously old. They don't pretend he's not getting any older, like Roger Moore in A View to a Kill when he was like 73, trying to do roundhouse kicks in a, in a karate gi and things like that. It, they use the fact, or they not play on the fact, but they appreciate that, well, James Bond has got older over the years. He's been through a lot of shit. He's seen a lot of shit. He's had to do a lot of shit. And this is what a spy would kind of be like at this stage in his career. So with that in mind, they also do, the, the director did a wonderful job of, of, of making the viewer aware that we were watching a James Bond film. There was lots of nods and winks. Hans Zimmer did this really great uh, thing with the music all the way through where he used themes from previous songs that if you were a fan, you would recognize the theme tune to um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service that plays all the way through, et cetera. It's, it's a wonderful you know, I'm sitting there going, I know this, I know this. And the person I was watching, we were going, God, you're such a fucking geek. Who would know that shit? And I said, what if you watch? And so for, I was lapping it up. It was, it was wonderful in that sense. Um, 
beautifully shot, wonderful action scenes. I love my action stuff. And the, the director understood how to take the camera back a little bit and to show you what's going on. So you understand the geography of all the fight scenes. It's still brutal. He's still, you know, he's still a, 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 a legal assassin for want of a better word, but you just see that the director understands action, whether that's gunfighting, hand-to-hand combat, or even the big stuff with cars and motorbikes and, and things like that. So from an action fan's point of view, brilliantly, absolutely well done. But at the same time, the performances pretty much throughout were fantastic too. So I don't want to go into anything because I want everybody to watch it with a complete open mind. If you're a Bond fan, you I honestly think you're going to love it. It's the best way to finish Daniel Craig's section of movies because he had a character arc that went from naturally from the beginning in Casino Royale. He's new. He's only just got his double O badge to the ending. You know, his last film, Daniel Craig said he's not making any more, right? So... It makes perfect sense. It's beautiful to look at, wonderfully directed from an action point of view, but very, very, um, very, very uh, respectful of both Daniel Craig as Bond, but also James Bond as a character too. So any of the negative stuff that I've read, I personally disagree with. I think it's just nonsense, but that's a personal opinion. I don't want to talk about it because it could potentially ruin the film for you, but I loved it. I'm a Bond fan. Fully recommend it 100%. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it again on the big screen very soon. So he's got five Bond films, right? So Spectre, No Time to Die, Casino Royale, Skyfall, Quantum of Solace. That sound right? Correct. Where yeah, would you all completely slot? wrong orders. It's just yeah. that out there. I would put this. I didn't see uh, order. Where was the logic in that order, Jonesy? You were Casino all Casino Royale place. first, Jonesy. Casino really? Royale. Yeah. Okay. Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre. Well, Casino Royale's got the best ever soundtrack because it was, um, uh, I've now forgotten his name, the guy from Soundgarden. Chris Cornell. Thank you. you Um, It's funny, my nephews have been watching all of the Craig Bonds leading up to this one so they could go to watch it. And so I've caught bits of the films as I come in from work and stuff. They were watching Skyfall the other night and I said, so what do you guys think about this one being one of the better ones? And they said, it's our favourite one so far. And I said, yep, I'd agree with that. Skyfall was my favourite one so far. However, Casino Royale has a special place in my heart, not Jam a special place, but my own. Um, however, <laughs> after watching this film, I don't know whether it's because I've still got the, the jellies because it was Bond and I was that excited. I'm going to say at the moment, Jonesy, that it is my favourite one. Wow. But I think, well, I just think I need a little, a few days to, you know, calm the fuck down, watch it again and look at it from a slightly different perspective. It may drop that back down to number two because Casino Royale, I just think is fucking awesome. But yeah, that, you know, so at the really moment good, it's one. Too long. Yeah, I might have to take a, I might have to take a step back, take a breather, calm the fuck down and watch it again. At the moment, though, it's number one. What's your least favorite of his bonds? Quantum Solace. Really? Okay. Spectre so is that for me too. I did not like yeah. Spectre. So Quantum Solace, um, Spectre, and then Skyfall, Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Royale. And then I put this one on top. Yeah. Okay. At the moment, those All top right. two might change again, but yes, that's how I go for it. All right, Jammer. What about you? What's your What's your Bond order? Craig Bond. Last place is Quantum of Solace then Spectre, then Casino Royale, then Skyfall. But obviously I haven't seen No Time to Die, so. So. But Skyfall is my favorite Bond ever at this point, so. Wow. Yeah. 
It's like the only Bond film that's emotional for me. Yeah. Like that was why emo- the shot. Uh, but that was more of like a shock ending of that one. Okay. Um, so that one had like an impact, but it wasn't like thoroughly emotional and kind of digging into sort of like who is Bond. Like I didn't feel like we got that as much as we did in Skyfall. Okay. I could see that. Um I not necessarily who is Bond, but I do like Goldeneye for some of that. Um, Goldeneye's I thought, great. I love I thought his relationship yeah. with Sean Bean was just like, fuck, that was good stuff. Because um, I don't Kinda think makes up you until wish that point I, we hadn't gotten that. My biggest regret is I wish that there was like two or three Bond movies with, with you know, who was it, Trevelyan or Trevelyan, whatever the hell his name to is. To build up that relationship. To build up that relationship yeah. and then have him get betrayed. That would have yeah. been cool. And if Even it was, if it had been that, a different actor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would, I would have preferred not a different actor, but that sure. would be cool. I just mean like, so from the perspective of we've seen Felix before, right? We've seen him in different movies and different actors have played Felix. Um, for me, taking your idea, it would be interesting, even if Trevelyan had just been a character throughout the course of Bond's history. And then to introduce Daniel Craig as Bond, he's just like, you know what? I'm tired of this shit and I'm done with all of this nonsense. So... That would have been cool. Um, I think for me, my least favorite has to be Spectre. And the reason yeah. why is for the I same reason. I was torn reason. between picking that and Quantum of Solace as my least favorite because it's well, really close. The reason Spectre why, at least is entertaining. Quantum of Solace is boring. But here's the problem. Here's the reason why I really don't like Spectre. It's because it reaches out beyond itself to ruin the other movies. And so okay. where they said, you know, I'm the architect of all of your misery. And where it, like, it takes away the agency from all of the bad guys of the other movies. I really like Lashif. I thought that he was a fun bad guy. I thought the bad guy in Quantum Solace kind of sucked, whatever. Um, same thing in Skyfall. But now you take Spectre and say like, no, no, I'm responsible for it. All these people were in my organization and I did that. It's like, not only do you suck as a movie, but now you've made the other movies worse. And so yeah. Yeah. that's kind of why I stick it at the bottom. Um, so yeah. yeah. Well, I will. I will. I will say this: um, the um, the whole storylines that run through from Casino Royale, all the things you, both of you guys have mentioned are addressed and wrapped up quite nicely. So oh, that's I, gross. I, that means I have to rewatch all of them. They're so long. I'm hoping. I'm hoping what that means is Jonesy that it it won't take what is a from what you just said, a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth that the, the film Spectre left. Um, all I'm saying is that it, everything that Daniel Craig has been through for his reign of films is included in this film. You know, there's no loose ends. It doesn't seem to be any loose ends that you kind of think, well, that doesn't make this, that and the other. Um, but, but I will give you one warning, possibly. This is a James Bond film. The focus is on Bond. And I personally love that. Well, if you might feel that, that well, this character should have had this and this character should have had that. But for me, it was, oh, no, this is James Bond's film and I wanted it to be about James Bond. Uh, unlike, let's say, for example, unlike Kingdom of Crystal Skull or whatever it was, the last Mine's Indiana Jones wasn't about Indiana Jones. It was about a load, load of other people and a load of other yeah. shit. Um, so this is definitely about James Bond. I hope that you feel the same way about that that I do, but it does depend on your on your take on the other. So, thing, so. I I did not read a lot about almost next to nothing about 
about this movie, like Good. reviews and reactions and things, because I wanted to hear from you first. Um, the thing that I did see was, I guess people are having a conversation about wanting to see more Anadarmus uh, in this movie. And that was one of the things I saw. And oddly enough, I didn't see a lot of that conversation. I saw some of it. And then I saw a reaction to it where someone was saying, like a critic said, do you want more Anadarmus in this movie or do you just want to fuck her? I was like, uh, whoa, okay, I, I guess. Um, so no, I have no expectation that any James Bond movie is about anyone other than James Bond. Everybody else is just- yeah. What an odd take that was. Like that just basically like say like, nope, she has nothing of value to add other than that one aspect. It's like, come yeah, that's on, bullshit. who said that? I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Yeah, there were. Uh, I, 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 yeah. I want you guys to watch it. I want. I want everybody to love it as much as I did. Uh, but again, I might need to watch it again just to calm the fuck down a little bit. But I really did enjoy it. Um, Daniel Craig has been my favorite Bond as well for, for, for many reasons. I think he was let down a little bit by some of the scripts and stuff that he he was given and 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 think that might have led to his, some of his frustration. He's credited as a producer in this one as well. I think that might have had a a big impact on on him coming back because uh, he had a bit of control in it potentially etc so uh, mm. yeah i won't say any more other than how much i enjoyed it and i hope everybody does too uh, if you take it for for how it fits with daniel craig's bonds in that sequence of films so the honor to armas comments just makes me want to watch knives out <laughs> in uh in which meant in protest oh not even protest just because oh yeah She's great in that. So is Daniel Craig. Let's watch that. I don't understand that at all. But I'm going to drop that in the Discord just so you guys can see it. Um, anything? What else? What else? Anything else? Uh, what else you got? I got no more questions. That no seems questions. to be like a fitting. What would you rate it? What would your grade be? If, you know, they're a normal letter grade scale. I, hey. Okay. All right. Oh, hey. I do have a question. I'm sorry. How was Rami Malik? villain i know who he is well you were giving like a look like you didn't know what the hell was going on <laughs> i'm contemplating how to give my terrible order so what i what i what i gathered from your look is like terrible shit, podcast i don't want to give comment um really the role, he was, the role he was given i think he did a good job so you're telling me that he's basically the mandarin in iron man 3 that's what you're telling me it's a fake out it's a fake out villain okay no I'm not getting, at all. I'm, I'm getting flipped off. By I don't Danny. like this answer. I don't like this answer at all. What will I what enjoy that mean? him? You can't say he's good or bad. Come on. Yeah. You know what you remind me of? You remind you remind me of Pixar when they had a trailer oh, he's for good. Brave. He's okay. good. He is good. He what is good. Say go, about- go back and listen to what I've said about who this film is about, and then um, and then Malik is good in this film, and then take that for for what it is. I so it's weird that you say that because I would not think that that includes the villain. Fuck. Now I have questions. <laughs> and I'm not going to answer them, which is God why I was it. hesitant to answer Jammers. They're going to kill That was Jonesy's question. They're going to Malik. That's what's going to happen. They're going to snoke him. <laughs> We're gonna hey, have... I love that. I love the snoke of Rami Malik or of, of Snoke. I love the snoking of Snoke. You love the snoking of Snoke. <laughs> that was the best part. Oh, yeah. You were talking about shocking. Was that last week? Talking about the, sh- the ways that Last Jedi shocked you or me fucking snoke's death that was shocking that surprised me 
that did surprise me too. I must admit, I was not expecting that. And I was that just like, oh, shit, where are they going to go now? They're not Emperor. We've only one film it. left. Where are they going to go now? If Fuck it happened sake, in the beginning of the movie, <laughs> I think if it happened in the beginning of the movie, I would have been shot. But towards the end, like, we're at the high point of tension. Like, I think I found it more interesting than shocking. Just roll your eyes at me. <laughs> yeah. Shocking to me is something outside the realm of possibility. Um, That's a very narrow definition of shock. Yeah, something I hadn't considered, something outside the realm of possibility. Not necessarily outside the realm of possibility, but like, I don't know. He did not seem safe in that moment, as safe. Like, he didn't seem to have plot armor, basically, is it? Okay. That was my perspective. But I loved it because it was the least likely thing to happen. And then they fucked it up in the next movie. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Fucking Snokes and Jars. <laughs> yeah. All, all I can... Snokes gone wrong. So when you said Pickled that, I immediately, I immediately thought of a time <laughs> laughing. Because when you described that, when we were doing that, that show... Tanya was like, wait, no, you were serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. That's <laughs> a real thing. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Uh, <laughs> Look at a guy that's a clone. Snones. I think that's what you called them. Snones. Yes, yeah, Snones. <laughs> oh, God, what a bad movie. Anyway. Is there anything else that you guys would like to say about uh, this? You know, the worst thing about that movie was, I remember I talked to my co-writer. I was just like, because he hated, he hated The Last Jedi. And he was just like, what did you think of this movie, The Rise of Skywalker? I was like, it was fucking awful. It was just garbage dumpster fire. I hated it. And then I was like, what did you think? He's like, I kind of loved it. And I was like, I hate you so much. I hate the fact that you like this at all. Get out. You know what's funny? I remember I was talking about Venom and I said, I've never been in a movie and people enjoyed it and I didn't. Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is very close to that. No one in the theater enjoyed it. But when I left, people were talking about it and they were like, oh, that was good. Like not in that moment, but you know, later in time. And I'm just like, what the fuck movie did you guys see? Um, So it's very nice to come to the podcast for everybody to be like, no, no, no. That was garbage. Okay. Good. Jonesy, it, uh, the, the movie I was talking about with, um, it was the one with Frank Grillo, um, Boss Level. I've never seen it. I think it's on Amazon now. I yeah. was lucky enough to see it uh, here because, as you know, we had the screens open here a long time before you guys did. So I was lucky enough. And I was in that film, and there was quite a few other people in there, and I was fucking laughing and clapping and thinking that's a reference to this. And when I'd stopped laughing, I realized that not many other people laughed at that moment and i'm like really you don't, you don't get this are you are you not understanding this boss level i would say is like a hardcore 18 version of free guy if you want some sort of comparison mm. okay. it, it, it's so much fucking fun it really is it's, it's just, like gamer it's, starring gerard butler uh, remember that movie better, uh, than that. <laughs> better than that Gemma. and so i was better enjoying than, okay. it yeah right. it's better than gamer no is it's it like a fun. hardcore henry I don't think I've seen that, Jam. It's so a first-person view? No, no, it's not that. Nope. Okay. Nope. It's not um, like that. Okay. I'll put it on my list. I 
Tell me you know in terms how free, of like, You know how his day resets, right? You know how his yeah. day resets. He ends up doing the same thing. But he's in just a, he's an NPC, right? Mm-hmm. Frank Grillo in this film is a character that his day resets because he's got something to do and he can't figure out what it is. So it's a little bit like, um, what's the... Uh, tomorrow, Nolan Groundhog film? Day? Oh. No, no. Um, uh, Memento. Memento. Okay. Mento, where, where it, not that he's not living it backwards, but he's got something to achieve, and every time he doesn't achieve it, he goes back to beginning. So he's he's been killed hundreds of times, and he's and he's mapped it out. He's getting further and further every time. And there's the, the, the one of the greatest scenes in it, without spoiling too much, is that when he's finally resolved to his fate, and he just goes out and enjoys his day, says "fuck it, doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to die anyway, and I can't figure this shit out." And that little sequence in the film is just one guy having a shitload of fun knowing that he can enjoy it again tomorrow. It doesn't matter how much he drinks. doesn't matter how much cocaine he does off hookers tits. It doesn't matter. He can relive it again tomorrow. It's great fun. (laughs) And on that note... You want to hear like one of the most uh, probably controversial takes on the Groundhog Day formula? Let's hear it. Comes from an anime. Did I tell you to watch The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, Jonesy? I don't think so. So that's an interesting show. I don't want to say exactly what it's about, but there essentially was a first season that was really great. And then a second season where it went into an arc called the Endless Eight. And essentially, it's eight weeks over the course of an episode of Summer Vacation. You have a, just a standard summer vacation of shenanigans with high schoolers. Then the episode ends. The next episode is the same exact plot, except reanimated, animated differently. And then at the very end, you find, they find, you find out or the main character finds out that they've been reliving that for thousands of times. And then it ends as he tries to like understand, oh my gosh, what's happening? And then like he goes to sleep and then it's done. The same thing again, the next episode, almost verbatim, reanimated, them rediscovering again that they're reliving those days over and over again. It ends. Same thing again. Eight times total. Eight episodes, except for the eighth episode, it's finally resolved. Eight episodes of almost the same exact thing, reanimated every single time. And the way they advertise the show is you had no idea what was coming. There was no preview. It was just episode starts and then episode ends. Radio silence from the, from the producers and advertisers on what the next episode is going to be. So no one knew how many episodes <laughs> this was going to happen. And it was glorious. I, it's, it's like, it, I mean... N- Oh no. It's ballsy. No, no. no. It's ballsy. I appreciate no. the balls behind mm-hmm. it, but I, you could watch what I recommend is watch the first episode, the second episode, and then the last episode and skip all the other ones. Okay. Of that arc. But, anyways, <sighs> very interesting take on that premise. So now you've got me trying to figure out where I can watch it. I might have to get fun of me. Oh, I could. This. I rec- I talked to me later. There's a. They also, the show is like a troll of a show. They have the the order in which it was released, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Then there's the chronological order and that makes sense. But they released it instead of actually having a normal episode. They had an episode that was the student film of the main characters of the show. No context, no anything, just a student film for 22 minutes and then ends and that's it. And you didn't know who the characters were. You didn't understand what the fuck was going on if you didn't read the novels. And it was just like, what? So the show is very trolly. That's like it's whole it's all it's whole meta narrative. Okay. Joe Ben or Oliver, stop it. I think I was just in the green. 
<laughs> Oliver. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow us. And you can also follow us on like as far as podcast wise and John Reverse Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, we're part of that. There's lots of other great shows to listen to. But where can people uh, find you, Danny, online? Uh, I do spend a little bit of time on the Twitterverse, but I'm also trying to get back into the, um, what were we just talking about? The one where we all Discord. chat that you haven't got the bandwidth for? Discord, thank Discord. you for that. See, that's how often I'm in there. I can't even fucking remember the name of it. But I do try to get involved <laughs> in that. Um, but yeah, Twitter and Discord is where you can find me. Where can people find you, Jonesy? You can find me on Twitter, at Sir Jones, as well as Instagram, and of course, right here on Breaking Geek Radio. Folks, as always, thanks for listening. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? And you can what? find me on Twitter at Jam the Writer and all of my uh, books on <laughs> AJ Serna on Amazon and Audible. Jammer, where can you be found? That's where I can be found. <laughs> Folks, as always, thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Hasta la Don't get any on mission accomplished. You just stole Danny's thing. Why would you do that? He took forever. I thought he wasn't going to say it. That's not his thing. Good asshole. Go pick up a snow. Oh, I will. Did you guys, uh, did you guys see Ted Lasso? No. I just, I just passed, I wasn't going to say anything I else. Watched, I, I haven't even watched the past two episodes. I have two episodes. You know what's weird? Oh, There's yeah, somebody that says they don't have a lot of time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.